John 6:40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We have some uh, prayer and praise this this morning. Uh, I have a special thanks. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Jeff Simpson worked at fixing our sidewalk and our concrete on the entrance to the church so that we don't have as many trip hazards. That's real nice to have done. And the other day, Gary came and cleaned all the windows in the church. That's something to be pretty excited about. Uh, something that we need to think about and pray about is on October 14th, 3ABN is going to be starting a new evangelistic program. Uh, I think it starts around 5 p.m. So that's something to check out. I'm sure if you went on their website, we can find out to get the specifics. But uh, something that we may want to participate in and tell others about and, and pray that the Holy Spirit touches hearts. There's a lot of people that are looking in this time. I also have another uh, couple of requests uh, to pray for Vicki's sister, Cindy, and her husband, Scott. They're having some severe marriage problems. it's the third year anniversary of their son's death by suicide. So that's understandable. That's got to be very difficult, and it's a very difficult thing on a marriage. Uh, on October 13th, it will be the one year that their daughter, Grace, was given an overdose, uh, uh, over-medicated, and died in a hospital in Appleton. So... They lost two kids. That's a tremendous load to have to bear. Uh, that and we need to pray for our kids to come back to God. And she would like us to pray for Wanda and their Bible study group. So let's sing our intro to prayer as we kneel for prayer. Dear Father, it's so good to bring our praises and our requests to you, knowing that you love us and that you want what's best for us. And we know that it grieves your heart more than anything to see your children have to deal with the difficulties that are caused by sin. 
And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be extra specially present that these folks that we've prayed for may palatably feel the power of your Holy Spirit and that it would uplift them in their time of trial. And Father, we pray that not only our children, but all the the people of this earth, that they would see how much you love them and how you long to have us all gather with you in heaven. And that that time is coming to be very soon. We pray that you would encourage us and that you would give us the courage to tell what great things that you have done for us to others who desperately need to hear it, that they too may come to know how much you love them. We pray that you would be with us and strengthen us and guide us and that we would always think and remember how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. morning. Just want to thank the Lord for this wonderful day. Glad everybody could be here. Let's hold our hands. Lord God, Heavenly Father, please be with me and with the congregation this morning. Watch over each and every one of us. Please bless us and guide us and help me to deliver this message with all the wisdom that you want in it, and that you guide me in what I have to say. Amen. I have just really quick here one little story that I'm going to tell us all. It's found in Matthew 9, verse 18 to 26. While the people spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler... And worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come, and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. In the gospel, I like all the stories about Jesus. 
I love how I can follow them. They present the Lord as always a very kind man. This gospel is also presented in Mark and Luke. It's very rich. It has both doctrine and consolation for us. It teaches both the correct knowledge of the divine will of God and spiritual wisdom and understanding. It also gives consolation and strength in suffering while we are under the cross. Let's take a look at a few of the lessons the Lord has presented to us here. The Lord is surrounded by people. He's kind. He's approachable. He's a man, as St. Paul says in Titus 3-4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Thus, through him, the grace and the love of God have been made manifest, through which he shows himself willing and ready to help and serve all men. He renders help to those who in true faith seek it from him. These are people who in misery, trouble, sorrow, and distress, people in need, people like me, people like somebody you know or yourself, he will be with them and permit himself to be found by them. For by doing so, his word and work can be made effective. But his word and miracles are useless and lost to the mighty, the rich, the prosperous, and those that are secure in their sins. These are the people who are already satisfied and content. They seek comfort and happiness in other things or themselves. Because of this, they are unable to receive God's grace and comfort. Their own hearts lock him out. As Luke 1, verse 52 and 53 states, He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. In order to receive the grace and benefits of Christ, we must realize we have no comfort or help in other things or other creatures and solely seek him. This gospel presents two beautiful examples of both the help of Christ and the faith needed, the faith which clings to and finds comfort in Christ, thereby getting help from him. First, we have the faith of the ruler, which leads him to Christ in his distress. At this time, his daughter was lying at the point of death. His statement, my daughter is even now dead, must certainly have been gut-wrenching. But even so, when all the man had to give up the hope and thought that help could be found for her, he did not despair. While the rest of his household was back weeping, and as we hear in the verse, they had minstrels come in, they were already arranging the funeral, he left. He went to Christ. He went there in the firm conviction and confidence that if he brought him to his daughter, she would be made well and alive again. He believed Christ was the one who could help her, not only while she was alive, but also after she had died. This at the time, point of time was remarkable. 
Nothing like this had ever been happened, had ever happened before or been seen. Providing the miracle of the raising of the widow's son in Luke 7 had occurred before it or not. We don't have the chronology or the timeline of that. <clears throat> but notwithstanding, it was a great mark of faith that without a doubt, he concluded in his heart that Christ would restore his daughter to life. For if he had doubted, he would have followed his human thoughts and reasons and would certainly not have gone to the Lord. He would have figured he delayed too long. Or that although Christ had restored someone else's kid to life, why would he help him? After all, there were children dying daily, and they weren't being restored. This is the virtue of the right kind of faith, the kind that clings steadfast to Christ, grasps a hold of him and his word. It does not inquire or look to that which the human mind may suggest or to what other people believe to do, but concludes with reference to Christ that he is the one who can help in time of need, who has helped others and will help now. Such a heart and faith truly finds Christ and receives according to that faith. His faith concerning the person of Christ was of such character that he rightly regarded him as the Messiah sent by God. Not as the masses of Jews and the other leaders of the synagogue thought that he would come publicly before the people. As a great and mighty king with all the pomp and parade and all the show so everyone would receive him as the one sent by God, to not save us from our sins, but to deliver us from slavery under the Roman emperor. Then establishing them, the Jews, as rulers of the world. Contrary to this, he regarded him as the true Lord and Messiah. Not to give temporal power and possessions, but to help those in their need. Where no man can help. Namely, to redeem us from the peril of death and the power of the devil. He regarded him as is his right, not as a mere man, but as the one who truly has in himself divine and eternal power. Authority over all creatures. It is his faith and belief that he truly is the Son of God, as the scripture declares, that sets him apart. The other example deserves no less praise. The faith of the poor woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. After all this time, she had long despaired of receiving human help or comfort. She came to Christ, having heard of him <clears throat> with the firm confidence that he could help her in her need. She came with a heartfelt full of assurance that he was so good and gracious that he would help her and not send her away unaided. Of this, she was so certain and confident that her heart was free of worry. She had plenty of reasons to doubt, but her only concern was how to get to him. I can imagine her thinking, Ah, but if I could only touch the hem of his coat, I know for sure I'll be healed. But how? 
According to the law, she was unclean. After 12 years, everyone knew it. She was forbidden from being among the people. But her faith gave her the desire and courage to overcome, to press through the crowd. Her faith helped her overcome two large obstacles. Her faith was so strong, she believed she could and would obtain help. If only she could touch, not even him, but his garment. She did not deem it necessary to come to him and present a case with all kinds of words. She sought only to reach him and touch him. She, after all, was unclean, unworthy to address him. She lacked confidence to come before him and quietly came up behind, secretly touching the hem of his coat, never doubting what she was expecting to receive. Her faith did not let her down. For when she touched the garment, the flow stopped. That this poor, simple woman should be able to see and know that this man, man's help and power were such that it was not necessary for him to speak. That he was able to see in secret, and even though he should not publicly show that he knew what was afflicting her, or what her needs were, or even that he wished to help, that faith must be the result of a great, extraordinary illumination of the Spirit. God and the knowledge, God had the knowledge of this person's faith. Accordingly, her faith produced such an assurance in her that all doubt was removed. Indeed, a strong faith that this man possesses divine, almighty power and authority, that he can see and understand the thoughts and desires of the heart. The other part of her faith is that she was able to overcome the feeling of her own unworthiness and get rid of the heavy weight which had been weighing her down such that it makes it so she dares not approach Christ like other people. Judgment was passed upon her by the law which stated that as an unclean woman she wasn't allowed to associate with other people, lest they would become unclean. In Leviticus 15, 19, we see that a woman in her condition was regarded as unclean. As long as she has an issue of blood and whatever she wears, it was unclean. Whoever touches her or whatever she touches became unclean. This was no small distress to her not just because of the unclean implication, but she felt it was the punishment of God. Imposed on her before all the world and which separated her from the congregation of God's people. How, too do we, how often, too, do we consider such things? How unworthy we are because of something we've done. Now, this had been going on for 12 years. I'm sure she had tried all kinds of remedies, had many physicians come in, and nothing helped. It just got worse. And in her mind, all because of her sins. 
she had given up the hope, thinking to die of her malady and sins. So it was not without difficulty that she maintained her faith in what she saw in Christ. How could she not think, I am unclean, what if I get before him? Everyone, including him, may condemn me for coming into his presence. I may get wrath and more severe punishment. But her faith clearly set before her the good and gracious heart of Christ. It broke through all these barriers. This faith helped her to overcome her fear of judgment and prohibition of the law, urging her that this Savior must be laid a hold of in spite of what the law said. Here is he who can help and who is good, gracious, and faithful. He will certainly not become other than he is. Because of me or keeping his grace and help from me, let his will be done. It would be better for me that I fail and seek help from this man. Setting her heart on the idea that if she just touched his helm. Therefore, when this woman was in fear and danger, lest she be disgraced, Christ confirmed her faith. He affirmed she was right to disregard the law and Moses and to seek him. As our text states, Daughter, be of good cheer, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. We should learn from this woman to realize the power of faith and to also seek help from Christ in our time of need. From this, we see how gracious and fa- graciously and fatherly God manifests himself towards us. He comes to us closely through his beloved Son, and seeks the poor, the miserable, and the needy. In order to put out his grace upon all who are willing to receive it, this is why he sent his Son, our Lord, to be with us and live among us. As John 1, verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth thereby taking care of us as his own flesh and blood, he assumed the same poverty and misery so that he might deliver us from our misery. This is from sin and death. Therefore, he also desires that we seek and expect such help from him through faith. As stated in John 6.40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in that last day. This is the knowledge which Christians require and through which alone we become Christians and children of God. John 1.12 states, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For whatever else can be taught, done, or comprehended, however great, beautiful, praiseworthy, valuable, or holy it may appear, it cannot make Christians out of people. Christians. That is a person who has obtained forgiveness of sins from a gracious God. Christians, 
people who know through faith they can lay a hold of the Savior, the Son of God who came into this world so that by shedding his blood might take away our sins and reconcile us to God. It is through such faith that we become Christians and a distinction is shown between us and all other people on earth. For we know that it is one thing to be a good man, perform many good and great deeds, live a good and honorable life, but quite another thing to become a Christian. Here there is a difference. It's a very great difference. It's as great as between heaven and earth. And it should be noted that this difference is between Christians and others. A Christian is one who has a different kind of light in his heart. That light is faith, which truly knows and lays a hold of God and truly worships him. Through the word of God, he knows and realizes his own unworthiness and receives the true fear of God. and finds comfort in his faith, believing and trusting that he has also obtained forgiveness of sins and redemption in Christ, thereby becoming acceptable to God and in all his need, and when weak or tempted, can find refuge in God and appeal to him and expect his help, knowing he will be heard. This doctrine and knowledge of the gospel should be cherished and lauded by the whole world because it alone publishes the true and joyous consolation that God has had mercy on poor, unworthy, merciful sinners and does not wish to impute them their sins, but out of pure grace forgives us. No other doctrine on earth can save or give the same. Amen. Our closing hymn will be hymn 539.